the hell ropes are still going. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm crying, but I'm fine. <laughs> I can't even explain what the fuck I'm laughing about. I'm f- yeah, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> incredibly stupid could make me laugh that hard wow yeah yeah. (laughs) um i was i was thinking about (laughs) use of the hell ropes and i was like oh the evil jump ropes and i was like hmm how could you change the word jump (laughs) to make it Okay, so like jump ropes <laughs> is definitely an ass focused jump rope workout sure. deal like sure. that you would do. Oh. <sighs> anyway. I don't understand why that made me laugh so hard. It's all on recording though. <laughs> this is. might this might be after the after the closing music on something. If I don't you know. You just leave like two minutes of me laughing about something that no one else knows what the fuck it yeah. is. Yeah. Oh my god. Welcome one, welcome all, to another episode of River Do's and River Don'ts, the Riverdale Review Podcast, where we take an episode of the CW show Riverdale based on the Archie Comics by the Archie Comics Company, and we talk about what happened in the episode, we talk about our favorite thing in the episode, our River Do, our least favorite thing in the episode, our River Don't, and the weirdest thing that happens in the episode that leaves us most... Uh, confused or tickled, our weekly weird. And as time goes on, the show manages to become both weirder and weirder and more and more mundane. More banal. It's a real trick they manage. And I believe from the pits of banality last week, we scramble toward the light of Chapter 55, Prom Night, directed by David Katzenberg. And written up by Brilla London and Devin Turner. I am your host, Quinn. I am another of your hosts, Rob. I am also a host. My name is Artley. Once more into the breach. Yeah, let's uh, yeah. talk about this fucking thing. Up and over. Up and over.
We survey the prisoner transfer bus wreckage as Veronica and Betty show up in a wood panel-ass station wagon. Apparently the bus accident involved the complete incineration of everyone and everything inside because nobody could identify Hal as one of the dead. All they know is that there was the expected number of corpses. Betty doesn't buy this for a second, fears a return of the Black Hood, and in what now feels like a rare example of a scene where a thing happens, dialogue is exchanged, and people express their feelings about the things happening in the story. So, like, good job right off the gate here. They go, they see the place, a person tells them something, and Betty says, I have feelings about it. This is the most complex scene that's happened in, like, four episodes. Preposterous. Yeah. Uh, but but don't worry, folks. The next scene is just Archie's mom shows up. Yep. So this is where I come in and let you know. Last week, I forgot the name of Gladys, Jughead's mom. I've truly forgotten the name of Archie's mother as well. Um, she's so played by Molly Ringwald, so we can just call Molly her Ringwald. Molly, I yeah, guess. Exactly. What the fuck is her name? That's the noticeable part for sure. I feel like it's maybe like Caroline or something. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Don't worry, I, I, got, I got it. Don't, I, carry on. I'll figure it out. It says here that Archie Andrews' mom's name is Molly Ringwald. <laughs> uh, Betty tries to warn Alice about Hal, and it falls on deaf ears. It's Mary. Mary. Jellybean angsts about Gladys leaving, and it comes up just in casual conversation here that Jellybean has met the Gargoyle King in person. So Jughead is also asking about what happened, because he was taught Jellybean cops to having played G&G. Yeah. Um... And costumes come up, like, you know, as that escalation. And Jughead's like, what? And Jellybean mentions that Ricky had, quote unquote, those ears. And she had the yeah. crown, which, as far as I'm concerned, confirms Ricky is a cat boy. Yeah, sure. Why not? I I don't know what they're talking about, so sure. Who's to say? Could have been any kind of ears. Yeah, any kind. Use your imagination. Make it fun. Uh, it also comes up that she knows of something called the gospel, where the Gargoyle King apparently, apparently keeps all of his secrets. Wow. That's... Uh, it sure seems like the end of this season really snuck up on them, you know? Like, yeah. It's so weird because it, it. I find it frustrating on two levels, right? Because the gospel could easily be the G&G manuals, because that sort of fits in the framework. Mm-hmm. Of this, like, religious movement or, like, you know, semi-religious movement, the occult elements of this, the the G&G manuals are the good word, as it were. But, but this simply has way too much 11th hour plot device stank on it for that. Yeah. And I'm well, sorry, but a gospel isn't a diary. No, it's not. Like, gospels are specifically records about the life of Jesus written by other people, from other people's accountings. Yeah, his various boyfriends. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It just, this really struck me as like, oh, they know that they only have three episodes. And they're like, oh, shit. We gotta just, like, wrap some of this shit up. Yeah. Well, uh, in my notes, I did say that Jellybean is the rat that shit out a key. Yes. In this episode. It's great. They did a really good job. Veronica gets Archie a fight, apparently, and intends on upgrading the gym out of her own pocket. Cool. Betty tells the other main characters about her Hal worries, and the cast try to cram the last several episodes worth of emotional processing, character relationships, and plot development into about 20 seconds before Cheryl does a patented scene-breaching maneuver. 
to announce Choni's candidacy for prom queens, it is funny to me that they're in a cult and they are doing that too. Yep. Well, that that, that becomes a plot thing later. Yes, but like it does. at that moment, I was like, it is very funny to me. Also, you know when you see them sat on those couches in the student lounge. Oh, 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 you know that they're going for the most perfunctory scene in the book, the one that you should never write. Mm-hmm. Again, I was watching this with my roommate and I said, oh, yeah, by the way, this is their student lounge because we went to high school together and they know that our that our high school did not have anything. We didn't have a student lounge like we had the outside. That was it. And I'm just like, how? why do they? My roommate asked, are they in college or high school? And I said they're in high school. And they were like, what the fuck? So I... <sighs> I mean, did either of y'all have a student lounge at your high school? No, no we we not. sat we sat along the hallway walls on the floor. Like we yeah, we had hallways and the outside. And if you were in the performing arts, you had those rooms at lunchtime. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it, at my school, yeah, we had the quad pretty much. The again, it feels like a combination of. I don't think any of the writers for this show went to a public school. Uh, no, and we've talked about that on the show not. before. And honestly, this feels a lot like a, a set piece they use in certain episodes of Community. Like, I look yeah. at that and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like that from Community. Which yeah. can't be the poll. But. I don't know. Archie's mom will not sign the fight for him. Boo! That's a scene. But he practices at the world's least crowded and most poorly lit firing range. Autopsy Jr. informs her over the phone that DNA and fingerprints confirm Hal was, in fact, among the dead. No way is that actually true, but we're going with it for now. Also, again, every time they actually say his name, it's so funny. They, Yeah, Dr. Curdle Jr. Yeah, Dr. Curdle Jr. It's, it's rough. <sighs> every time... It, it, and he looks exactly the way you would think Dr. Curdle Jr. looks. If someone calls him Dr. Curdle, does he say... No, Dr. Curdle was my father. father. 100%. <laughs> FP and Jughead investigate a burnt-out gargoyle squatter bus at a junkyard and just fucking find the gospel of the gargoyle king quick, fast, and in a hurry because we are running out of episodes. It's just in a seat. Jughead just finds it. He's like, oh, look at that. Meanwhile, he's also, like, touching things that could possibly be evidence, just putting his hands all over it. Yeah, preposterous. Bad stuff. Yeah, it's uh, this is the standard adherence to procedure that we see in Riverdale. It seems like Archie has now forged his mom's signature, and then it turns out in a, another scene that it was against farm rules to run for prom queens, and Evelyn uh, just crashes and burns trying to scold Choni about it. Uh, it was pretty funny. She's like, "Would you want prom queens or the farm?" And Cheryl's like, "Actually, both." <laughs> Like, fuck off. I'm not listening to you. It was really good. Turns out you really can have it all. Except, you know. Yeah. <sighs> Bughead to do a scene where nothing actually happens, except Betty intimates that she wants to kill the Gargoyle King. And they receive another plot-relevant phone call from Dr. Curdle Jr. Um, Archie's mom wants him to join the Navy? Mm-hmm. So that he can get an education along with the boxing and do a bit of light imperialism as a bonus. Yeah, I, I also do want to say real quick, when they announced the prom thing was happening, I did get a little bit excited because how long has it been since this show honestly, earnestly did some teen shit? Oh, so God. long. 
so so long yeah um, fair enough also just as a side note the navy recruiter went to college with archie's mom and they went to sarah florence college uh which if if y'all are not familiar with the actual college it is sarah lawrence college it is in new york and i have a friend who went there and mm. it's like i don't know what its shtick is but it gets mentioned a lot in tv shows mm. so i don't i don't really know what the whole deal is but it's always very funny to me when that happens jughead takes pictures of kurtz's gargoyle tattoos which somehow are now a lead they're a lead now the the gargoyle cult tattoos anyway we're expected to keep a straight face when the navy recruiter visits and puts over the navy's boxing program which is obviously where all the good pro boxers come from you know the place where you have a bunch of other shit that you have to do and not enough time to train and sometimes go into combat yeah uh definitely where the good boxers come from uh boxing is actually surprisingly casual sport in terms of the yeah you don't have to like input. work hard on it every day or yeah, anything and you can really like climb up the ranks um pretty quickly uh people don't talk about that enough boxing is actually one of the most accessible sports on the planet and there's yeah. pretty much no risk of in your injury yeah you can you can just fit it in amongst your other stuff no dedication required to boxing do you think there's actually a boxing uh program that the navy has yeah there is but but like uh it's funny because archie literally said wait by the time i'm done with that tour like that active duty my good boxing years will probably be behind me and he's completely right yeah and then his mom's like, like well that's the point honey are you not allowed to go to college after making money as a pro boxer for a while like what the fuck is she talking about also let's be real mary just needs to admit that her son not a learning boy yeah, it's true. He's like, this is a losing uphill battle for me. And that's the in this rare moment thing, of self-awareness. It's like, the yes, first thing he is very stupid. Ever been You're correct right. about. Yeah, he's he's literally right that he he's not really cut out for this book learning stuff, and he should probably given his ability to just knock out people way bigger and better trade than him in one punch and just constantly win fights that it makes no sense for him to win, he should definitely keep trying. Yeah. Yep. If a rookie prospect boxer actually had anything like the things that have happened with Archie's boxing career in this show happen in real life, like, they would have no shortage of sponsors and great opportunities. They would, like, be an instant millionaire. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. And there's a chance yeah. that in this current boxing climate, all he'd have to do is do shit like fight Jake Paul. Easy <laughs> yeah. money. Wait, is he boxing? I'll start. Both of the both of the Pauls have dipped into boxing, and what's, fr what's frustrating boxing. is that they're pretty. What's frustrating is that they're pretty good. Like they're really good athletes. I will. And, like, I will start clearly take it seriously and only watch matches that they lose. Yeah, that's it. I just um, want to see them get beat up. Anyway, so. Bughead talked to a tattoo artist who seems to describe having tattooed, seems, I should note, to describe having tattooed Edgar ever and ever. Cool. Maybe he's the Gargoyle King or not. I don't fucking care anymore. I can't keep track of all the people who are and aren't and supposedly were and weren't the Gargoyle King. Like, the Gargoyle King as a concept, as well as G&G, has become so fucking incoherent at this point that it's just, it's threadbare. I, I can't, I can't muster any emotions about it. Uh, speaking of Edgar, he scolds Cheryl about the prom queen thing, threatening to withhold Jason necromancy fun times over this threat. Cheryl folds instantly. Pop catches wind of the loan Veronica's taken out and is the second character in this episode to assume that Varchi is a thing again. 
When Veronica says that they're just friends, Pops looks so fucking sad. Like, the scene ends with her being like, no, Archie and I aren't fucking. And Pops is like, oh. <laughs> it's such a weird end to a scene. Uh, we get a little context for it later, but it's just so fucking weird. Archie has to lose six pounds in a hurry to make the fight. That's going to suck so bad. Okay, so I mentioned in the DMs something here. I mentioned... Oh, that's the, what you were talking yeah, about. I, talking I about could not figure it out. Um, Archie dedicates himself to losing this weight. And I know enough about athletics in this sense, like in this sort of domain, like when you need to weigh in and stuff. The thing that people do is juice up on laxatives and they shit themselves down the weight. Yeah, laxatives, diuretics, and starvation. Um... Whereas here, Archie simply jumps rope. And he does, like, fucking pull-ups and leg lifts and stuff. Like, just destroying his base of strength because he can't eat right now. So he's just, like, wrecking up his muscles so he can't use them. Yes. So, I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that the the laxative plot hole is the fact that if Archie needs to lose this weight, especially on this accelerated schedule... I also want to be clear here to um, anyone who might be listening. Don't do this. Don't do it. That's <laughs> self-abuse. Yeah, it's bad. Please what don't I'm describing do it. is like disordered engagement with your body and self-abuse. Yeah. Athletes yeah, do the, it. It's not healthy. The um, stance of no. River Do's and River Don'ts is strictly against this kind of behavior. I feel Laxative like I abuse is a no-go. Yeah, I would probably do it for pro boxer money, but like it would, it, I would not like assume that it was a good or okay thing it's very dangerous i just wanted to be clear that like i'm describing what these athletes do sometimes people are like oh you know professional athletes are healthy people no um people sometimes engage in um anorexic and bulimic behavior through uh laxative abuse uh and i'd argue that this is borderline (laughs) uh yeah it's it's uh yeah it is a very very damaging part of weight classed sports competitions uh, that like just kind of obviously under capitalism will happen, uh, but it's it sucks and it's dangerous and it shortens people's lives. So laxatives, not even once, unless you really got it packed up there. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, yeah, you got to figure. Um, remember when he was going to box and like he ate a bunch of burgers? <laughs> it just still makes me laugh. Like. Yeah, very different vibes from that in this episode. Yeah. The, like, bundled up super sweaty cardio makes sense for trying to cut, like, really crash cut. It. Yeah, you're trying to sweat as much out. You're trying to literally The 11th hour yourself. for a fight. But, like, all this, like, muscle endurance shit and strength shit that he's doing, like, it hurt me to watch. Because it just means, like, he's going to break all those fibers down and not eat anything to repair them and just be a pain noodle in his fight yeah. and get his I ass mean, kicked. I mean, they did with... at least reflect that. It's true. I was a little surprised, but we'll get to it. Um, Bughead do a scene that tries to tie together the threads of season three. And, like, the scene was sad to even look at. Like, them sort of vaguely trying to, like, suggest that the things that we've been watching over the last, like, dozen episodes are all part of one story, and it's just, like, completely unconvincing. hmm Archie. Archie, Archie. He has to fight two times in one fucking day because he has to fight as an audition for the recruiter and can't show his mom that he forged her signature but still wants to do the tournament. Mixed feelings here from Rob. On one hand, 
good job having consequences and even a scrap of continuity, even within one episode. Like, Archie has gotten himself into a problem by being duplicitous, and he has to have difficulty in his life because of a, you know, costly decision that he has made. And on the other hand, good. Oh, this again, like when I said they're going back to like the high school shit, the prom stuff aligns with that. But this is also like a classic high school dramatic construct, right? Like this is half of Spider-Man. Yes. Yes, this is half of Um, Spider-Man. Is it spider? Is it man? You decide. But it, it, it works. Like this is a tried and true formula. So it's surprising that they kind of fuck it up. Well, Okay, so here's the here's the other half of this for me. This is the other part of the mixed feelings. Does the military really hold auditions and turn people away because they're not enough they're not good enough boxers? No. The machinery of imperialism wants mm. every warm body that they can possibly take. Like, what are you talking about? Riverdale? The Naval Academy's pretty much the Juilliard of boxing. <laughs> like the Navy literally sends someone out on a one-for-one basis to determine if a potential recruit is good enough. That's certainly how it works, right? When, when I was in high school, I was in band my first two years, and I remember they sent, like, a some kind of, some branch of the military recruiter to us, and they were like, hey, all you kids, especially you fat kids, which is most of this class, you can be in the military band. And all of us just kind of looked at each other and laughed at the guy, and it was a very good moment for me. Betty does the classic burst into the room and demand the villain confess to their misdeeds for no reason move. Edgar responds by showing that he has no back tattoos or body fat. (laughs) Edgar's not the dude who got the gargoyle tattoos, but they described him as sandy haired with like a weird magnetism and stuff. And like, this isn't me calling my shot, but my notes are just all caps. Chick is the gargoyle king. We didn't see Chick die. We didn't see Chick die last season. And like... Nothing has to make sense or be connected to anything. And like, that's that's the big oh thing that they could pull here. Uh, so we'll see how that transpires. Eye of the Tiger. But a, you know, but the a song bad cover. From the Rocky is desecrated, both in the performance and in the use as a training montage for Archie and Mad Dog. Uh, I am f- both fucking disgusted and laughing at the same time. We, were, we were sitting there watching this and I was I was sitting there for a second and I was like, is this a cover? And my roommate goes, yeah, it's a bad cover. And I went, I fucking thought so. I was so mad about it. It just hurt me. I don't even like that song a whole lot. It, But it made me upset. We get a really, really, really good line in the next scene, which is not a good scene. But it's like a, a little chunk of gold in a loose pile of stools. <laughs> it should be a relief that your mom's not marrying a second serial killer. Mm. Let's see how that one holds up. Yeah. Uh, The Squatter School Bus book says some shit, and Jughead just takes it as wrote that this is a book of prophecies that are true. Yeah, he he was wearing, he was holding the stupid ball in this scene for sure. Oh, but everyone agrees with him. Like, it's not as though this doesn't turn out to be exactly correct. So they've all got hands on it. They're all just like holding it in a big circle, and they've all got their hands on it. Like that orb picture. Um, They have to make Betty prom queen to evoke or invoke the gargoyle king. Like it's, it will magically make him appear. What the fuck is happening? This book that he found on a random school bus is telling them what they need to do right now to make the show progress in its plot. That's writing. Anyway, Cheryl doesn't 
give a fuck about changing the theme to medieval whatever, which is their suggestion, because she can't run anymore. She's like, well, if I can't do it, I don't fuck whatever. Yeah. Very Cheryl, though. Like, they, they did yeah. something in character for her for once. Gosh. Turns out Archie lost his fight, which is a surprising bit of, yeah, he went about this all wrong, and they actually followed through with it. Neat. Veronica doesn't want him fighting again, but he doesn't listen. Straight collapses before he can even get going. Womp womp. That was really funny to me for some reason. Yes, it was very funny. <laughs> he just kind of... I can do it! I can go! <laughs> I kind of felt bad for laughing at him, but also he completely wrote it on himself, so... Bughead then pitch the peepees as working on anti-gargoyle security for prom. I sort of forgot that the peepees existed because yeah. the characters... The characters that this gang literally exist to support the plotline of are now just both farm cultists. Like, they have fundamentally changed what they even are in the show over the course of this season. It's pretty bad. Also, um, I did think it was really funny how the serpents and the peepees have basically become a boys versus girls thing. Um, it's because if you if you look closely when they do their, their you know, hands in the middle thing that they do later... Um, it's just not with the idiot ball, like like literally, no, like literally, not not with the idiot, idiot ball. Like that's that's a different scene. Um, I mean, obviously, all the peepees are girls. We've discussed this at length. I feel like, um, yeah. <laughs> and the serpents are all guys. There's not a there's not a lady serpent among them. Was Tony the only lady serpent? I don't know. Betty doesn't count. Gladys Cheryl is gone. It. Cheryl, well, she got kicked out. Yeah. Why did she get kicked know. out? I don't remember. She did something fucking stupid. Who knows? That's yeah. She had the best jacket though. Weren't they? Weren't they like just doing robberies? <laughs> oh for yeah, fun? yeah, they yeah. were. They were doing their cat burglar shit. <laughs> their, their cat, their burglar cat burgling. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Archie wakes up to his mom having connected the very obvious dots of what's been going on. Nothing is decided, but Archie expresses his emotions. So I guess it's a scene in a show. He doesn't uh, want to join the Navy. He doesn't want to go to college. He wants to see how far his fists can take him. And as we discussed, as silly as that line is, that is wisdom from this character in this situation. Yeah. No, he's he's right for once. He is correct. I feel like he's acknowledging his limitations and setting realistic expectations. And choosing to embrace, like, the legitimately one and only strength that he has. Yeah. Strength. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in fact, <laughs> literal strength. We should have known when he, when he landed the knockout victory over the frozen fucking river in season one that this is where we were headed. Yeah. Um, God, I forgot about that. Pop, it turns out, has some sort of grave news for Veronica, but saying he has bad news is sufficient for a scene in this goddamn show. So we don't get the news yet. Renfair flavored prom time pops bad news we then cut immediately back to was that Veronica was duped by a fake deed. Hiram in fact owns both the Bonwe and Pops. The classic fucking... fake deed scam. What? What is this? What's the point of like obviously it's ridiculous, but what's the point of it? I... Why? Why is it that, that nothing that has happened between them was real and this was all fake and it was all a dream? To, like what's happening? Veronica sad? I don't know. Also, where the fuck did all of these teenagers get these costumes? I don't know. The, I the don't know. The people who attend Renfair regularly, some of them don't even have costumes like this. I was really confused by that as well. Like, Very elaborate costuming for this 
prom thing that canonically got changed at the last minute theme-wise. Like, is there a Riverdale Ren Fair that we don't know about? I, I don't know, but the important part is that a fucking Venetian masquerade jester <laughs> shows up <laughs> to give Betty a note telling her to go alone to a place where the gargoyle shenanigans can ensue. gender. <laughs> Uh, this naturally taking place right when she is to be announced as the prom queen. So they go, oh, where's Betty? Where's Betty? Uh, this guy was extra as fuck. Yeah, I loved him. He <laughs> he did his job as a jester. He made me laugh. Yes. As Betty closes in on the spookily staged bathroom, we flash back and forth to the 90s episode with the parallelism, which makes me sad to watch because of how far this season has fallen from where it yeah. started. I feel like that was also a bad choice just because Lily Reinhardt was playing both characters. And so it was just like, like, yes, I knew it was Alice, but for a moment I was like, why is she in different clothes? Yeah. It didn't make sense. I'm fine with the juxtaposition technically, but like it literally forcibly reminds us of when there was hope for this fucking story. Yeah. She pulls a gun, but the Black Hood sporting a fucking hook hand, like from the story about the people in the car. <laughs> Mandor hand hook car door. Takes her down. Uh, it turns out that this this Black Hood fellow has killed several people in the school's mood-lit abandoned wing. <laughs> Where do they have these fucking blue and red lights coming from? It's ridiculous. A serviceable slasher killer chase sequence occurs, but Black Hood disappears while Betty barricades herself in a closet, soon discovered by Jughead. And unfortunately, we don't know for sure that this is actually Hal because we don't see the person unmasked or, or anything or hear his voice or whatever. I feel like Betty's reaction to that whole thing was weird, too. Not because, like, that isn't how a normal person would react to all of this, but it's Betty. Yeah. Like, it was weird to see her, like, screaming and crying. And pissing and shitting. <laughs> yeah, she should have She should have yes. just got, made her eyes all big and been like, fucking cut me, it will kill you instead <laughs> of me. You can't kill me in a way that matters. Yeah. Well, right. Also, I was so confused during this thing where, like, she hits, there's a, she's trying to escape and she grabs a door to the outside, and it's all chained up. It literally feels like they entered, like, a mirror dimension, or, like, a pocket of yeah. reality where they're not actually at the school anymore. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's this mood-lit, it's the upside-down, it's this mood-lit, uh, abandoned version. <sighs> You'd think there'd be at least a couple of people milling about the halls at a dance, because... Well, the, we see that they are dead. What? That's, <laughs> fair. That's, that's fair. Was butchered. <laughs> um, the gospel, turns out, was a trap to serve up Betty to hell, which is fucking wild. Consider for a moment the book binding and printing shit that had to happen. There's too many steps. Then it was just fucking left hidden on a burnt out school bus, a random burnt out school bus, with the knowledge somehow that Betty would end up with her hands on it, and that they would interpret it as a true prophecy, and that Hal would be out of prison by then. Yeah, no, I think that that was maybe just... Riverdale logic? I don't know. I don't know. That's not that's not the strangest part of this scene. What? Are you ready? No. I mean, I watched it last night and I'm still not ready. Are we to assume that FP and the entire Riverdale local fucking government mistook a severed hand for an entire adult human body? <laughs> well... <laughs> because they said there was the right number of bodies, but Hal wasn't there. Well, they, no, he said they there identified was the right him by number, the hand. He said there was the right number of heads. Um, 
that was that was what he said when he said there were six people on board and that's the number of heads we found. Okay, so they 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 in that case maybe mistook a head and a hand for an entire adult human body. But but it it, it begs the question, whose head was it? But again, they thought that there were six dead people when anyway, like how did Hal produce another person if that's even what happened yeah who knows fucking fucking bizarre <sighs> archie's mom changes her tune on boxing due to the violence at the school maybe you should know how to defend yourself i mean boxing's all right but you might want to learn how to use i don't know guns or knives or something or like but, an actual uh, form of self-defense yeah he like, has a baseball bat i think Again, you could do a a different show. I don't even know anymore. You could do a lot worse than boxing. Um, Yes, like karate, (laughs) which is a scam. However, there's also better ways to defend yourself. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Betty warns Alice about Hal again, and this time she believes her, I guess. And Edgar suggests that she lean on the farm for protection. (sighs) And that's the end of the episode. Okay, so they do a bit here, though, when they... When, like, she's talking to Jughead, and then kind of when she's talking to the farm, where she's like, I got duped. Um, And they're like, wait, so now there's two serial killers going around? And then she says, and both of them are outsmarting us. And it's really funny to watch Betty just stand there and be like, I'm so stupid. I don't know what's happening. I just keep falling into traps. (sighs) Right there with you, Betty. It's very not like her. Is anything like any character? I mean, yeah, what is characterization at this point? This show clearly doesn't fucking know. We made it through the episode! Huzzah! Riverdoo! I want to start... Quinn started last one. I'll start it. So, Arlie, go Um, ahead. Oh, we didn't even talk about my Riverdoo. Um, When... Oh, uh oh. Veron- no, it's okay. Uh, when Veronica is revealing that, you know, her, her dad tricked her and whatever, um, she goes, I'm just going to pretend that it's not true. Yeah. And I <laughs> I was sitting there and I like put both of my hands in the air and I said, Hiram Lodge defense! Yes. And that's my river too, is that Veronica is using the Hiram Lodge defense. It runs defense. in the family. Because it was so fucking funny to me. Oh, man. It got, like, an actual reaction from me, which this show hasn't done in, like, seven episodes. In defense of Veronica's logic here, if she pretends it didn't happen for long enough, the writers might forget. That's an excellent point. Getting a little too meta for this show, maybe, but excellent point nonetheless. My river do. I'm a simple fellow. (laughs) A man with a hook for a hand. (laughs) Uh, chased one of our characters... And, like, did the thing where, you know, she's running and she'd, like, throw stuff in front of him for him to, like, run into and trip over and stuff. And and, and near miss of slashy slashies in uh, spooky lighting, which allowed me to get a little tiny drop of dopamine from remembering, like, movies that were actually good to watch. Also, Betty was wearing a big princess dress, so that was fun, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Terrible color, but, you know, that doesn't matter. Again... (laughs) I see a man with a hook for a hand menacing somebody, and I'm like, ooh, yay! <laughs> Do a little clap, or a, or a little a little jump on my couch. Yeah, so, my Riverdue, it's funny, mine, again, sort of couples with my River Don't. My Riverdue is, it's teen shit, they were doing teen stuff. Hey! Yeah! They did some teen stuff, Yay, it's teens! True. And a teen show for teens! I was so happy. 
oh, hey, it's prom. Hey, Archie's like trying to juggle his responsibilities. There's stuff like actual dynamics with his parent that feels like parental stuff. What the hell? It was yeah. fun uh, until it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so my river don't uh, was Alice's response to Betty being freaked the fuck out that her dad maybe was escaped. Because, um, you know, Betty tells her about it. And Alice's response is, I left that all behind, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, what? I'm over it emotionally, so it can't. he can't be alive anymore. Like, in fairness, you're, this is a very accurate depiction of boomer logic. That's fair. Like, but, like, I've decided that I don't want this to be what it is, so it's not. But, like, Betty was, like, on the verge of tears telling her about this, and she's like, nah, not my problem. Also a very boomer thing. Yeah. Uh, but that pissed me off. I didn't like that at all. Um, I just, like, knowing what I know about the end of the season, I keep trying to make sense of Alice's actions, and it doesn't work. And so I'm just like, huh? Why? Uh, anyway. So my river don't is probably just the feeling that I got inside when I saw the pretty poisons. Because it just really underscored how nothing in this show fucking matters. And there's no plan. And things happen for no reason and will not matter later. Um, like the pretty poisons. Am I imagining that they were introduced in this very season? Yeah, no, they were this season. So, so they like, they were invented this season, and already like everything that connected them to the story is fucking gone already. Well, I think part of the overarching problem is that they give this show too many episodes per season. It's well, I mean, it's a chicken and egg problem. There, it's like, is it too many episodes, or do they have too few ideas? Well, they did okay with season one. I think when they only had like thirteen episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's maybe they just they keep planning for these shorter seasons, maybe. And then they're like, well, or that's the extent that they can plan a story. Yeah, there, there's that, too. And they're just like, oh, shit, we got 10 more than we thought we were going to get again. This can- <laughs> I keep stepping on this rake. Thwack. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah. But yeah, that's my river down is just like being forcibly reminded of. And, and I'll you know what? I'll bundle in the cross-cut shot of Lily Reinhardt as the two different characters being forcibly reminded of a time in this season where there was a story uh and like being forced to look at how much it doesn't fucking matter anymore uh was not a good feeling yeah that's fucking blows as does the show Quinn I, I how about you Quinn yeah my don't again like I said it's sort of dualistically tied to my river due is that they fucking ruined the teen stuff <laughs> They made the whole fucking prom about the fucking Gargoyle King and fucking Murder Mm -hmm. Dad coming back. The prom episode is about personal, emotional, relational climaxes coming together. They didn't even have one dance. But you know what? They can't do that, Quinn, because there are no like emotional arcs in this season except Jughead being mad at his mom. Of course not. But the the pump they got me they pump faked me i i got fucking suckered yeah. in and you they ruined the prom episode like again they did it's one of those basic things in the tradition of teen storytelling they've done this a million times it's not that hard to execute i feel like it's, if teen wolf can get it then riverdale should be able to get it it's pretty shocking 
it's pretty shocking like when you think about it because season one and into season two the angst and drama of teen relationships was a big thing Mm -hmm. in this show this is the exact kind of show on the exact network where that's the fucking shit but like somehow through the utter like messy chaos of this season emotionally the show has become completely sterile and inert so it's just things happen happening with like no motivation so that that does come back to rob what you were saying about there's no like emotional core to any of the characters there's no emotional conflicts or arcs that need resolved and that is why remember when archie went absolutely wild in season two and went super dark and got all fucked up and messy and like by the end he like felt bad about it (laughs) right like we're we're looking back on that fondly now jesus so the the impulse is it seems like the impulse that they've replaced that with is when they're supposed to put an emotional thing in they crank up the escalation on one of like the season plots instead so instead of doing anything emotionally here they just cranked up the Gargoyle King Black Hood shit, which ruins it because that's not the point. Like, that is something, like, it is supposed to supplement and enhance and, like, provide a combination of, like, respite and stress around their, like, emotional and social lives. It's not supposed to be, which then brings them into a state ideally, where they could advance to the the final stages of a seasonal plot, right? You'd think. But fucking no. They they fucked it up so bad and I'm <laughs> they did. I'm they so really did. Mad. Especially because it do, it did sort of reveal the mechanics at play here, where because they don't have anything emotional to get on to hook into, aside from what they manufactured with um Archie and Mary, which was fine. Like the, I want to see how far these two fists can, t- can take me. As che- Again, cheesy as that line is, is like shonen bullshit as it is. Yeah. Um, it still kind of works. but It's kind of something, although it's just, it's within this one fucking episode. This isn't an arc, really. Yes, like, exactly. It's, just, it's completely. It's a little idea. It's isolated. It's like. It just blips out there. It's a little yeah. seed, right? Or like, not even a seed. It's just like a, a faint whiff of something. Yeah. Um, it's like the LaCroix of emotional right and so just seeing that every time they would need to engage with something emotionally or have like the emotional stakes raised or released or processed or like anything to like sort of parallel like the beat by beat physical action of the season they just instead escalate that that like material physical action stuff because they don't have anything to work with and they're not interested in manufacturing it either. Yeah, they've they've surgically excised all emotion from the story. Like I said, it is just like reading the it's an illustrated Wikipedia summary. Yes. It's very strange. Like like they really have and, and, and like I don't know if this is a boiling a frog situation because I can't identify exactly when this show became emotionless. Um because it, it it's framed it has in fact it has been a teen melodrama and still frames itself as such, but no longer does anything with emotions at all. And they're all. hardly teens. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, they hardly do any teen shit, and there's no emotions. It's just shit happening. Yeah, I don't even know when it happened. Like, like it feels like I've been death of a thousand cuts yeah. to here. But yeah. it just, it really feels like I'm looking here, we're sort of cresting the hill, and I'm looking back at how far, at like, how far we've come. And I'm realizing that we've been trekking through some real, real rough shit. 
in ways that I hadn't quite reckoned with before because it's so it's rendered the entire show structurally inert because it couples into the pacing problems that we've been talking about because they don't have the emotional side of the story configured or there at all, much less like arranged in any sort of meaningful way. They have to keep relying on this escalation, which means you wind up with all of these scenes where it's just like a million minor escalations that last 45 seconds because nobody has anything to talk about. It's actually impossible for any of them to have any impact because, because we don't see how characters feel about anything that happens. We just see happening. Exactly. That's the thing. And because they, they refuse to write characters emotionally processing things or having emotions about things, aside from like the basest level shit, like these characters feel like they don't have interiority, which is weird. Yeah, absolutely. Like, do you think that maybe this caravan of garbage has just gotten so complex with so many spinning plates that they forget where they even left the fucking spinning plates that the writing staff at this point are unconfident that they even know how a character would feel about something so they don't want to commit anything? I don't know. Uh, like Something it kind like of that. feels like that to me, but at the but but at the same time, they were not shy about having people just be completely out of character before. So I think it almost has to be something else. And that's the thing is like I don't I don't know because I can see how like all these things are tied together, but I don't know what's driving what. You know, like I don't yeah. know if yeah. it's the lack of like commitment to exploring these characters emotionally and developing them emotionally that's led to the weird pacing and overwhelming plot or if their inclination toward this kind of chaotic high-speed pacing and wanting to, like, escalate the drama of this stuff has then instead supplanted that, and, like, the emotional stuff is, like, whittled away. I can't... I don't know what's driving what, but the result is that the entire thing sucks and is very boring to watch. Yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to even think of an explanation for why the scenes are just singular beats with no escalation and no that, development. It's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. I've never seen anything written like this. Yeah, I've, I, me either. It's fucking unbelievably wild. Um, but speaking of that weirdness, Harley, Weekly Weird. Yeah. Uh, Weekly Weird for me is how did the fuck, how, how did all of these children get these elaborate high quality costumes uh when the theme was changed a week before the dance it it was so it it just kept coming to mind while i was watching the end of this episode i was like how did they do it how did they do it i spent 10 minutes like how probably not that long because what i think should have been 10 minutes with the amount of scenes that happened but probably wasn't anywhere near 10 minutes it's probably like three But I just kept thinking, where did they get these fucking costumes from? Especially because the entire student body was super committed. Like, no one was half-assing their costumes. They were all like, okay, Renaissance, let's fucking do it. But you know what? You know what? I'm glad that they made this weird choice because of Jester Guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes, I love Jester Guy. Like, that was, it was just seeing him looking all jestery. It was one of the only good feelings I got watching this episode. Yeah. My weekly weird is the magic plot device book <laughs> that was ma- that was just it happened to be like nothing as we, I, I went through in detail before nothing about it makes any sense and it's very clearly being shoved in there to forcibly end some plot lines 
just the fact that this book is this beautiful, bespoke, leather-bound tome that was just carelessly discarded somewhere, but the whole plan of the evil folks hinges on Betty having access to it at a certain time and interpreting it in a certain way and going along with it and things they couldn't have known having transpired. It's just, it's very wild to me. Uh, It stinks of desperation (laughs) and it makes me laugh. Yeah, so my weekly weird uh, is how at the end of the episode, like Betty kept turning around and like screaming to everyone who she came into contact with. I can't believe I got duped so hard. (laughs) Oh my God, they tricked me and I suck so bad. Oh my God. How did they get me? Oh, he outsmarted me. (laughs) Ah, and it's like, call you. Cause again, it isn't even like a realistic emotional response. And I think that's part of why it's so weird. Is it, it, she's like directly stating how weird it is that this happened in terms of the plot. And she's just like repeating that to everyone and trying to make you convinced that she feels weird about it or bad about it. And uh-huh. therefore like, Oh, she, they caught her slipping. Um, they didn't catch her slipping. She hasn't been up for a long time. Yeah. She's been sliding on her ass for weeks. Yeah. That is very fair. It's like they're trying to bluff that there's an emotional arc with this character. Jesus. This show. Yeah. Wow. Did we, did we do it? Did we do the thing? We, we did, did it. the thing. Oh, Quinn! Okay. Quinn, I think you are the holder of the sacred Wikipedia article, so what are we in for next? <laughs> oh, golly gee. Next week. Or next time. Next time. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is our dard, folks. Like, <laughs> You'll get it when you get it, and you will You'll get it when you get it. Eat it yeah. up. So, next time, chapter 56, The Dark Secret of Harvest House, by Rob Seedenglanz, directed by Rob Seedenglanz, and written by Christine Chambers and James DeWille. Did you say the dark dark secret secret of Harvest House? House? (laughs) All right. Jesus, fuck. Okay. And I know what the reveal is. I know know why they're calling it Harvest House. I'm so glad that I don't. And I hate it. Don't y'all tell me anything. I won't. Uh, I, I want to be enraged by whatever <laughs> oh, yeah. stupidity I... Oh, oh man. I'm sorry. The um, the season finale has a banger duo of, of writers. Oh, It's who, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa it? and Michael Ooh. Grassi. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. You know it's going to be wild guns. when Roberto gets in there. Mm-hmm. Wait, are so, we doing the finale in, in the next The next two are the finales, the yeah. yeah. The, wow. the finale duo. Okay. Damn, yeah. okay. Oof, well, we made it. Uh, just barely. Uh, I need to go lie down. I need to keep working so my dad doesn't murder me when he gets back. With his hook hand. Uh, <laughs> my dad yeah, would be so, so much cooler uh, if he had a hook hand. For everybody who's ripping I've been Rob. I've been early. I've been Quinn. <laughs> oh, fuck this uh, show. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. I Not haven't had show, any good... But the- <laughs> This has drained me so dry. I don't even have any good thing to send people out on. I can't like come up with a funny bit because I'm just <laughs> There's dump I'm ropes. sucked dry. Uh, dump rope and <laughs> twist. Mark Comasuelos' his nips. <laughs> twist his nips. You know, never forget, folks. Dump rope is when you poop out a bunch of cum. You don't have to put that in. You could probably cut that one out. It is though. It is though. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm begging you to leave it in. That blows my mind. <laughs> that is the that is the actual definition of that thing yeah. that Arlie just made up. You blast rope and then you dump it. <laughs> yep. That's part of the process. That's what love is. Yeah. Simple as. Love is dumping rope. <laughs> yeah. Can we call the episode that? I I don't know what this, the title will be, but there's a chance that this part stays in. <laughs> <laughs>